This is The Lonely Office, and this is your playbook for navigating the messy line between work and life. Our topics are sourced from real, anonymous workplace conversations happening within Glassdoor communities, from how to get fired the right way, I know about that, to whether HR is actually your friend. We discuss timely work-life issues so you don't have to brave the professional world alone. Did I tell you both the story about Joey? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Joey. Okay, sure. Matt's bluffing. I know. He doesn't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so Joey, he's a business analyst, wanted a better job. He decided to up his LinkedIn game. He was just feeling a little dangerous. <laughs> Matt and Leah, I don't know why he was feeling that way. It could be because he read a blog about a LinkedIn hack. Oh, geez. And this LinkedIn hack was guaranteed to raise your profile and build your network. Hmm. What's his hack? The hack was to artfully use keywords in your bio, (laughs) like MBA, or more specifically, Harvard Business, (laughs) and let the algorithm do its thing. Okay. So Joey updates his LinkedIn profile to say that he's a member of the Friends of Harvard (laughs) Business School. Friends of Harvard Business. Okay, so the Friends of Harvard Business School, which is actually, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, it's a LinkedIn group with a lot of members. You're not a graduate of Harvard Business School. You're a friend of Harvard Business School. It doesn't seem like a real thing. (laughs) You're part of the Friends of Harvard Business School. Joey puts this in his profile a few days after he makes the adjustment. Guys, his DMs double. (laughs) Talent recruiters won't leave him alone. It's like Joey went viral. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) In interviews now that he's taking on, by the handfuls, he's being grilled by talent recruiters about his time getting an MBA at Harvard, something that never happened. Oh, no. (laughs) Months after he decided to delete the Friends of Harvard Business School from his LinkedIn profile, guess what? The algorithm won't relent. This is like the ending to a Twilight Zone episode. Joey thought... He was using a fail-safe LinkedIn hack to help his career. He ended up in a prison of his own making, and he can't get out. (laughs) He's got to go to Harvard now. He's got to go get an MBA. He doesn't have another choice. He's got to pay the 200K poor chump to get the Harvard MBA degree. (laughs) Oh, man. That's the only way out of this, I guess. Yeah. He hasn't applied to Harvard yet, but Joey clearly thought that that MBA, that that Harvard Business School MBA was important and worth it. And clearly LinkedIn thinks it is as well. Joey's out of control. I don't even know if I can in good conscience refer to the story throughout the podcast. And this is crazy. But let's extract the learning from Joey's story. And I think the learning is, look, there's tremendous network optic value to some of these degrees. Joey literally just professes his association with the friends of a X name university. And he just gets bombarded by calls. What I'm excited to lean into here, Leah, particularly with your background, former admissions counselor for Wharton Business School. Is that right? Yeah. Well, at admissions, what was the exact? Well, they basically call you a reader. So you review applications and then you're the sort of the first line of defense. Defense. And then you give your recommendation. Or not defense. I mean, (laughs) we can get into that more later, but I think people will be shocked at the sheer volume of outstanding applications that these institutions get. So they are really looking for any reason to sort of cross your name off the list. 
as a quick callback, Matt, I think you'd appreciate this. Leia, basically, you're an admissions advisor for a legitimate organization, whereas in one of the episodes prior to this, I was an admissions advisor for a fraudulent organization. For Phoenix University. Right. Phoenix University <laughs> versus Wharton. Let's just get MBA. this clear. Yeah. Inevitably, through the course of this episode, Leia will be put in a position to give you maybe some tips if you're thinking about a yeah. business school may organically come up. Let's talk about the inherent value of the degree. Bias. I have a viewpoint that's heavily informed by small business and startups. And I think this is probably the exact opposite group that would find value in an MBA, in my opinion. And so my experience has taught me, coming from small business and startups, there's a lot more value in a professional or prospective employee who brings trial by fire experience versus a degree where they've learned on paper some level of skills that could be applied there. Again, I'm going to come clean on this. The times where I've mistakenly went for the MBA, I really regretted it. Anybody who's in their 20s who's considering, hey, do I learn trial by fire by go taking a job at X startup or X company? Or do I get, I spent two years drinking and partying and networking and getting the favor. <laughs> Invariably, it's the person who chooses trial so by fire cynical. that usually is better built for building. And I know I'm biased saying this, Leia. I mean, obviously, you played the role of a reader for a tier one MBA program. So you might have a different perspective on this. I knew we were going to have this push and pull because I know you're inherently cynical about MBAs. <laughs> I don't have an MBA okay. to just level set. The networking is an obvious benefit. And if you have a background that is maybe less traditional, having a top tier MBA program on your resume will get you indoors that you might right. not otherwise be invited in. And then I did find this statistic that according to a 2021 survey by the Graduate Management Admissions Council, I feel like Matt right now. You, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah, this is like Matt. <laughs> Individuals that have an MBA are projected to earn $3 million more over the span of 35 years than those without bachelor degrees. Can I just reference the fact that this study was made by the Bias. Graduate yeah. Management Admission <laughs> Council? The very people who are dishing out these degrees but it was on Forbes, are sponsoring so. a study that we're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but you're right. You're talking about maybe not $200,000 in student debt, but somewhere close to it if we're talking Ivy League and two years of lost income. Right. When my husband was going in for his MBA and we had just had our first child, it's a double whammy. If you're looking to switch, industries. It can be worthwhile. It depends on what industry you're going into. I resonate with that switching degree. And Reed Hoffman has a popular metaphor, founder of LinkedIn, of like a jungle gym. Your career is a jungle gym. You're like you're swinging across different bars versus a ladder. And so in my case, it was really difficult to find the right bar to latch onto to move from yeah, an economics background towards technology, building product, engineering, and I kind of found my way there through different stints, pitching, self-advocating, but I got there, right? If the flip, if the inverse was there where you're an engineer, you want to go down the business finance path, that's a good yeah. reboot of sorts is getting the MBA and you set yourself up with a refreshed look for employers. So I get that. I was chatting with my husband about this pretty recently. There were professional athletes in his MBA program. There was someone who had done Cirque du Soleil. There's also a professional skier, a lot of people from the military, and you want to transfer that over to a business career, one way to make that transition and to lend some legitimacy to what you've been doing for the last decade or however long is to get an MBA. So there are specific instances like that where it makes a ton of sense. I think where it gets murkier is, yeah, if you're a junior at 
some investment banking firm and then you want to move to private equity, do you need an MBA? I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Aaron, you had a bit of a roundabout. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what your undergrad your degree was. Oh, yeah. What was your degree, Aaron? Communications. Okay. Oh, I did know that. <laughs> Maybe I can speak for the cohort of listeners right now that don't really know what the hell an MBA is. You mentioned Cirque du Soleil. You mentioned all this stuff. I came initially out of high school wanting to be a creative, wanting to be an artist. And I think what a lot of creatives figured out was that waiting tables and stuff is cool, but there is an advantage to get within an industry, right? So my philosophy was, all right, I'm just going to go to school, get a four-year degree as a backup plan, and then I'm going to go out and just try to get jobs in my field. But I didn't even know what an MBA was the long time. I'm like, why are these assholes putting this in their email signature? <laughs> Get it out of the signature. I know there's going to be a lot of people who turn on me now. They liked me in this podcast. I'm like, what? MBA? But you know what? For 200K, you better put that thing. I understand. Yeah, you're going to milk it. <laughs> but I think it's like putting your GPA on your resume For when real. you're more than five minutes out of college. It's too much. I didn't know about an MBA until I started thinking, too, about a master's degree. And I was working, and I wanted to be able to teach. And I was like, well, what if I could teach at a college? And every single university was like, you need to have a master's degree. That's the first time I even heard about an MBA, because I was just looking for a master's degree. But isn't this really just a country club? If we're just talking plainly, is it really just a networking gateway to get more opportunities and jobs? Most education is going open source. A lot of this stuff can be freely learned through MIT Open Curriculum or Coursera or Udemy, whatnot. But my future hiring manager is going to look for shortcuts and handicaps because yeah. they're lazy. Yeah, it's human nature. It's human nature and they're lazy. And so if they see a degree from a war in or MBA, it's like, you know what? I don't have to do as much of my job vetting this person because my presumption is they've meet some criteria. And I think a lot of the folks who get the degree are banking on that, where they benefit from groupthink. Yeah, you still got to prove yourself in your career. You got to be more than a friend of Harvard Business School. Yeah. <laughs> it's a start, but you got to actually go there. Even the people who've done online courses at Harvard Business School or Columbia or wherever and put that on the their courses, LinkedIn. That's another hack. I don't know. There needs to be some education around what those certificates are because I'm more likely to just dismiss it as not relevant. A lot of people with non-traditional backgrounds start at a place and they want to transition their career. I'm an art person. I'm living in the theater, knitting. I'm with my people there. But the reality is <laughs> you put theater on a resume, is it a lazy way of being for the recruiter or for the employer to go, now they have their MBA and they're ready to go. <laughs> In that case, it makes a lot of sense to go back and get an MBA. The majority of the people who are getting their MBA are boring. Did you say boring? <laughs> Wait. Let me rephrase that. I'm talking about Cirque du Soleil and the professional skier because those are interesting stories that when you're reading that application, you're like, oh my gosh, this person has such a compelling case. But there are a lot of consultants and there are a lot of investment bankers. Those are the bulk. In the tens of thousands of resumes and applications that you read through, Leah, during your times as a counselor, what you're saying is those really fascinating educations were outliers, the Circus Olay applicant to Wharton versus... You're a consultant at McKinsey, and they've told you that they're going to pay for you to go to right. get an MBA because that's what you need to do to move up the ladder. And so 
You're going to write your essay about how your opinion is valued, and then you're going to get a recommendation from someone who managed you on a team who also was an alumni of that program. Yeah, I'm assailing those types where I just see that completely redundant. I just don't understand. I have a lot of friends who've done that too. But if McKinsey is paying for it, I say, and you can get into a top tier institution, I say you do it. Yeah. To defend MBAs, it's not all just partying. It's a lot of partying. I feel like there's a lot of partying at Wharton, <laughs> but it depends on the school because they got rid of GPA because the people were so type A oh. that they kind of relax. But anyway, we're off topic. I say you do it though. If somebody else is paying for it, you've got nothing to lose. Matt, you mentioned the edge cases, but what if there is that professional skier that was able to build his or her own brand? They clearly had business acumen. Why do they have to go get an MBA? Can't they just enter that market, Matt? They don't. I think where you need the MBA is where you need to plug into the existing establishment. If you want to then transition into an investment banker at one of the top 10 investment banks, then yeah, go get the MBA. What was that Christmas movie we mentioned? <laughs> Family Man. Oh. And if you remember, Nicolas Cage in Family Man gets transported to this tire salesman, and then he wants to re-enter his job as a private equity dude. That's a perfect example where if he has the opportunity to go back to NBA, get an MBA, yes, like that makes sense. That makes sense. But boy, his pitch worked, didn't it? It did. Where That's he was right. like, what did you bring in this year? He was like 250K, but he's like, in our market, that was like top 1%. It was a great scene, man. Right. So serious question here, I think that for, for listeners, let's imagine for a second there's tier one MBAs and they're the obvious names that I think our listeners probably are accustomed to hearing, right? The Harvards, the Kellogg's, the Yales. Let's say you find yourself, hey, I can't make it into one of those. Is it still worthwhile for that individual to contemplate a non-tier one MBA? It depends on what you're trying to get out of it. If you really do want that business education, it is. If you're looking for that sort of instant pass that gets through the headhunter that Matt has working for them, and so it's a lot of money to invest in something that might not give you that stamp of approval or the networking opportunities you're looking for. Fair enough. Are there any hacks any trade secrets that can be employed. And what I'm thinking immediately is I have a number of nephews and nieces who are now high school age, and some of them go to really competitive suburban schools. If there are any parents listening to this podcast, they can totally associate with this, where there's almost this new framework for deciding what type of school to send your kid to. Maybe you don't send them to the most competitive high school because every one of them are gunners. Every one of them are scoring perfect SATs. Maybe you send them to a tier two high school and as a result, they outshine the others and and they have a foot into the universities that otherwise wouldn't look at them vis-a-vis -vis the other candidates from that high school. Is there something akin to that with business school where before you apply to a tier one, if that's what you're considering, find yourself a Circus Olay job? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm kind of serious, not serious on this one. Are there any those type of hacks? It helps if you've got something and it doesn't have to be a Circus Olay job but a volunteer club, something that you actually have done regularly for a long period of time that you're very passionate about. It's part of your story, right? Right. It gets boring looking at the applicants who all have the perfect track record in education, right? the perfect transcript, the perfect resume. You can tell when someone has paid someone to put together their application for college. I, there were certain tells that I picked up on. There's a certain structure that gets used over and over again that starts to sort of blend into the background. I think the other thing that people don't put as much emphasis on are the recommendations that you get from former bosses. It's fair to coach the people who are giving you recommendations and make sure they're touching on the same sort of things you'd want to touch on in a resume, like actual real world examples and not just general platitudes. 
they're great at their job. No, did they climb the ladder faster than everybody else? Did they do some amazing project that really made them stand out? Maybe Aaron should be an MBA consultant. Maybe you should be an MBA coach, Aaron. He would write some great essays. Especially now that being in Cirque du Soleil or is like in vogue. But what you're saying is, from an admission standpoint, it kind of gets old to see that same used formula. And they're looking for more real, diverse stories. By the way, what's the age? Is it usually people in their 30s who are getting your MBA? Or does it vary? It's a, it's a lot of people in their late 20s, actually. So would you say someone who's 40, is is that too old to be getting an MBA? I think they would probably push you to an exec MBA. Gotcha. Mm, exec You'd MBA. You'd definitely be on the older end. Why don't they just call it senior citizen MBA? <laughs> what if you're a 40-year-old skier? You're not executive. You're just an old guy. But I know a lot of people mid-career, like seriously, 30s and 40s, and even yeah. 50s, I know, thinking about going to get my MBA. But looking at the debt ratio at that age, does that make sense at all? I'd imagine that degree ties in really closely to midlife crisis. And other <laughs> no, I'm serious. If you're a marketer for one of these MBA programs, I guarantee you one of their demographics are the midlife crisis. You get targeted with DMs and ads just when you turn 40, maybe your mid 40s, because you're rethinking things. Oh my gosh. I know it sounds cynical. If you're trying to upgrade and get an MBA and you're looking at a quarter of a million dollars of student debt, do you ever make a profit margin on that? What's the percentage of people who actually turn that gamble and flip that house? Maybe you will, but it takes that 35 years that they cited right. in the study. <laughs> right. We keep saying investing in yourself with debt to get an MBA. As an entrepreneur too, Matt, there's other ways to invest in yourself. You're still taking on risk, right? I think it depends on the person as always. If you're an individual who's considering the top 10 MBA programs and dishing out quarter million dollars, then I would argue you probably have some ideas. It probably makes sense to take that quarter million dollars and give yourself a year runway or a year and a half to trial something. Because clearly, if you're ambitious and qualified enough to apply to one of those MBA programs, you're probably ambitious and qualified enough to just try your hand at the startup game or entrepreneur game or small business game. For the other folks, you can still play the numbers there and say, hey, if I'm going to dish out 100K for an MBA program and no salary for two years, maybe I go and dock my pay for six months by changing industries and working for a company in a startup in an industry that I want to start working in and that I might have an idea for. And in the net picture, you actually don't lose out because again, you would have gone two years with no pay. I just think really map it out, really understand the dollar commitment you're putting into this thing in the same way you would do if you were purchasing a house. It's an asset. I mean, it's not accounting wise considered an asset, but I think you should consider an asset this degree and do the same calculations you would have done before approaching a car purchase or a house purchase. And I think if you do that, you probably will net out the right decision. So is the answer to is an MBA worth it? I hate to do this, but is it, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it's nine times out of 10. No. Okay. Hey, you made it. Thanks for tuning in to The Lonely Office. If you like what you heard, follow us on all major podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode. And make sure and tap five stars and leave a review. I know everyone says it, but it actually helps others like you discover the show. Remember, the topics you hear us talk about on the show are sourced from Glassdoor communities, where professionals are having candid conversations about their careers anonymously with others in their industry. To be part of that conversation, 
download the Glassdoor app. And when you're in the app, make sure and join the Lonely Office Bowl. That's where we are. When you're there, you can suggest a topic idea or an episode idea, or you can make it more formal and email us at thelonelyoffice at glassdoor.com. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.